To Cannabis Health Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Today you're going to hear a remarkable story of a woman who developed diabetes, then thyroid cancer. It was inoperable, and she was told to go home and get her affairs in order. She then started taking cannabis and is here to tell her fascinating story with us today. And joining us from Pennsylvania is Ellie Thomas. Ellie, thanks very much for doing this. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Now, take us back to the time when you developed gestational diabetes and pick up the story from there. Okay. Uh, it was 1989, and I was pregnant with my first daughter, and they diagnosed me with gestational diabetes. I had three more children after my first daughter, and my last daughter, the Gestational diabetes never went away. I weighed over 200 pounds after having her. The weight wouldn't go off. My sugar was quite elevated. And the doctor I went to see was an endocrinologist, and he said that um, I had two options, either to do injections, insulin injections, or to get the pump, and I told him, no, what was my third option? And he said, a dietitian. I said, sign me up. So I went and seen a dietitian, which were four days for eight-hour classes. They taught me how to eat properly. I lost a lot of the weight. I went down to 130 pounds. You were over 200 pounds, and then you went down to about 130, 135 pounds? Yes. And that's just the result of dieting. Yes. No, junk food and sodas. Yeah, what happened after that? Even though the weight went off, there were still times that my sugar was not elevated at all. It, it wasn't controlled. Um, it would start to drop drastically. Um, I went from having hyperglycemia to hypoglycemia. And... In the mornings were the roughest part for me. Um, I would get fuzzy and dizzy and sometimes pass out. My sugar was never controlled at all. Even with diet afterwards, my sugar would just drop. I would have to carry chocolate with me all the time to boost my sugar. But I didn't want to put any medication in my body like insulin or injections or have a pump at attached to my body. What did the doctor say, um, say about it? They kept pushing for me to do the insulin, and I kept refusing to do it. So that doctor um, ended up not wanting to see me any further, so I just stayed with my primary care. Ellie, why were you so insistent on not doing insulin? Um, one, I'm afraid of needles, and two, uh, my grandmother and my mother were both diabetics, my grandmother would constantly have to give injections to herself throughout the day, and being a child, seeing that, I didn't want to end up like that. Uh, my mom 
was adamant about not putting insulin in her body uh, by injection. So, so I chose not to do the same. So you chose not to do the same. How was your health as you're going through all this? It wasn't at the best. I wasn't sleeping. Just daily functions were really hard. I was constantly either tired, drawn out, or super hyped up after eating sugar. There was no like easy balance throughout the day. Were you looking for alternative ways to, to handle that uh, diabetes then? I figured I would handle it with diet and keep it maintained at that rate. But it never worked out. Now, tell us how that evolved into a, a thyroid issue. Um, I went away for two weeks in Florida and ended up getting very sick. Um, the doctors ran a whole bunch of tests on me. They even went as far as putting me under doing a um, lap, laparoscopic surgery to see if it was something to do with um, my ovaries, my uterus, things of that nature. It wasn't until they did a TSH test, which is thyroid stimulating hormone blood work, that they found out that my thyroid was elevated. Um, I then went and seen a second endocrinologist, a new endocrinologist, and he scheduled a ultrasound from my thyroid because he said that he felt a nodule on my right side. Uh, after them doing the ultrasound, they found that I had a quite large nodule on my right side of my thyroid. And the doctor said from the ultrasound and the scan that they did that it looked cancerous because they did it with an MRI with contrast, which is a dye that goes through your body. And the dye came up and it glowed a certain way and it didn't you know, go away. So he said that was an indication that he didn't need to do the biopsy that he wanted to take out my uh, nodule on my right side of my thyroid, which they did. I went from having hyperthyroidism after they removed the thyroid. I went to hypo. Um, I battled greatly with calcium deficiencies, palpitations of my heart, then put me on medication, uh, Synthroid, to try to control it, and that didn't work. So they kept upping my doses Every time I went back to see the doctor every uh, six months. So they kept putting you on higher doses of Synthroid. Did, did that help at all? <laughs> no, that actually made me feel worse. I would have anxiety, um, panic attacks, depression, something fierce from the medication. Um, I couldn't travel long distances in the car because... The thyroid controls your stomach and your mind and everything else. And I couldn't touch my phone. I couldn't uh, listen to the radio halfway to work. Once I reached the halfway mark, I knew that I could, if I had to go to the bathroom or throw up or anything like that, I would be safe. Um, the panic attacks were really bad with this being on this synthroid. I just felt really horrible and drained and lethargic all the time. I never, ever had a full night's sleep um, before I was diagnosed with hyperthyroidism. So sleep was not very well at all. I would wake up in the middle of the night and stare at the ceiling, and I just could not get back to sleep for nothing. 
it weighed on me greatly because um, I drive a long distance for work and I knew that I needed some sort of rest and that wasn't happening. Just that my daily functions were really drawn out every day. Wow, that sounds like quite the time. How do you even keep going? Uh, you just push forward. It takes a toll on you mentally because you feel like you're con- there's constantly something wrong with you. Because when you go to the physicians, they're just like, oh, that's part of the symptoms of having hypothyroidism. Okay, so what can we do about it? Oh, you need a higher dose of Synthroid. That'll, that'll take care of it. And I listened to them, and I kept allowing them to adjust my medication I thought that they had the best interest of me instead of trying to get to the source of the problem and find out how we can fix me with the thyroid issue and the diabetes and all they wanted to do was push more and more medication on me with all of their different side effects yeah because um, with the Synthroid you have bouts of um, constipation or diarrhea and it just seems like I was just constantly taking one medication after another to combat the effects of like A pill with B and then there's side effects with B. So I had to take a C medication to combat B's effects. It, it just got to be too much. Did you stop taking the, the I mean, Synthroid? I, um, I did. I did. The doctors kept telling me if I missed the dose that I would be at risk for a heart attack which was pretty scary because um, I was born with mitral valve prolapse and my mitral valve stays open uh, a little too long and it, um, it stops beating in the middle of the night for about five seconds. Um, there's really no medication that they can put you on besides beta blockers and I did not want to be on beta blockers at, at all. I didn't want to put all these artificial things into my body. Um, so they just monitor me, my heart doctor, um, on a yearly basis, which I've had no episodes of at all. Now, Ellie, tell us about the the situation with your thyroid and how it got to the point where the doctors said there was not much more they could do with uh, about it and for you to get your affairs in order. Um, in May of 2016... I became very ill. I ended up going to the emergency room because I had chest pains. I was really lethargic, migraines. I I just could not function. So I went to the emergency room. They did blood work on me. And my TSH level level came back to be 46, which the norm is 5.5. So they told me that I was in thyroid crisis meaning that my left side of my thyroid, which I still had, wasn't functioning properly. And I went to my primary doctor. He got the results from the hospital, who then referred me to another endocrinologist who I went to see. In his office, he did the ultrasound and blood work. And he confirmed that my TSH level was uh, 46 and that my thyroid globulin, which is an antibody in your system that shows if you have cancer or not. And that number was over 220. What's the normal count? So he went to do, the normal um, is 10.4. Wow. That's a red light. Yeah. So they had then put me on a higher dose of Synthroid to try to bring my TSH level down. 
and it shouldn't work. I went and did the biopsy. The biopsy he called me was on July 6th and said that I, in fact, did have thyroid cancer and that I had a large nodule right near my carotid artery and that surgery was out of the question because there would be no one that would want to go in there and remove a a large cancerous nodule right near my main artery in my neck because I would not survive it. So he said that I would have to do radioactive iodine treatment, which I agreed to do. Um, I spoke of this to no one, not to to my husband, Kevin, not to my children, not to my friends, my family. I spoke of this to no one because I figured I could handle it and I could take care of it and that um, it would all just go away. So when my children went to go be with their father for a week, I chose then to do the radioactive iodine which is a small little pill that you have to take and you have to be confined to one room and you cannot be around anyone during that time. So I did not go to work for that week. I took a vacation week and I just stayed in my house. By the third day, I was so violently ill that I was throwing up. I couldn't keep anything down. I was not hungry at all. I would literally get out of my bed, feel dizzy and lightheaded and sick and crawled to the bathroom, shaken, to throw up. After the treatment, I went back to the doctor, and he did another ultrasound, and he said it did nothing. There's nothing more for him to do. It hadn't changed at all? That at some No, it did not change in size. It didn't change nothing. My, my levels were still elevated. He said that there's nothing more that he can do, and that eventually it would go into my lymph nodes, and because it was right near my carotid, my carotid artery, that it would eventually press in and I would not breathe. That I needed to go home and to get all my affairs in order. And I accepted that. So I went home and started preparing myself for my death. What's going through your mind at this point? You've got children. And this partner, did you tell him at that stage in the game? No, I I kept it to myself. Uh, Kevin had went to Colorado for a month and a half. And I just felt that if this is my life sentence, this is what I was going to do. I was just going to prepare and let nature take its course, pretty much. Um, It wasn't in... I'm sorry? I was just going to say, were you having trouble breathing at the time? Oh, yes. My neck hurt immensely. Um, I wasn't sleeping at all. I went from 130 pounds down to 104. Um, I was a size 6 at 130 pounds, and I was between a 2 and a 4. You could literally see the bones. My children had a... a an idea that I wasn't feeling well because they constantly asked me on a daily basis, um, are you okay? Are you feeling all right? And I just kept covering it up with, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just tired. I'm just tired. Um, I couldn't be around the kids too long because I was constantly sad and depressed because I didn't want to leave them. But yet I didn't want to tell them what was going on to scare them. So I was kind of caught in the middle between what I should really do. How old were your children? 
my youngest at the time was 10 and then my son was 13 and my daughter was 21 and my oldest was 25. So Ellie, you you go home and then you're preparing yourself uh, for death. Take us through the the next step in this process. Um, the next step was in September. I told Kevin what was going on with the thyroid cancer because I was getting to the point that I felt like I couldn't even function. Getting in the car to go to work was a major mission. Um, I was forcing myself to eat at least one meal a day, even though most of the time it, it kept coming back up because the radio iodine just destroyed my body completely. Ellie, when they told- I sat down with Sorry to interrupt, but when they sent you um, home and told you to make arrangements, did they give you a guesstimate of time, of how much time you had? He said it would, because the cancer didn't, wasn't affected by the radioactive iodine, that means that it was moving pretty quickly. That, you know, he couldn't give me a definite time, um, but he did not see me being around another year. So continue with your story, Ellie. So um, I told Kevin what was going on with the thyroid cancer and him being in Colorado and learning about the medicinal effects of cannabis. He started to do a lot more research. He started digging into uh, different things with cannabis and CBD oil. And um, he could tell you a little bit more about that. As she said, I was in Colorado for a month. My brother lives out there, and um, through mutual friends, I had met a woman who had used cannabis oil to treat her her breast cancer, I believe it was. And uh, so uh, I contacted her, and she connected me with – she didn't really give me totally, and she said her friends were giving it to her, so she didn't know how to recommend that we get it. But she told me about uh, CBD and how to get that and gave me a source out there. Uh, Of course, CBD being legal, it's a nutritional supplement – so we were able to obtain that. And as far as uh, marijuana in general, I don't know if she said to you earlier, she was not much of an advocate for marijuana in her past. But um, me being a musician, that kind of tells you I've had a little experience with it uh, over my lifetime. But uh, I had done the research and I kept, you know, I was out in Colorado and um, met different people. And, you know, of course, it's different <laughs> world out there in general. So. I knew that there had to be a way to find this oil, but I just couldn't figure out how. So we got the CBD, and that, and that started, you know, and that helped. I remember the, the night that we got it, her temperature, I think, was about 102, 103, and she was just so ill. And uh, we actually have a little video of her actually taking it the first time and all. And I swear, within 15 to 20 minutes, her temperature came down to about 98, 99, and it was just amazing and i'm sitting there watching it in front of my eyes and she started to feel better so so we continued you know we got some recommendations of what to take uh, how much cbd to take and she was taking that and um it seemed to help i mean and then all of a sudden we noticed one day that she wasn't having episodes uh with her diabetes and i said well what have you been doing different and basically the only thing we changed was that she'd been taking the cbd and uh, even though I, we had done research, I hadn't really come across CBD helping diabetes. So I researched that, and all of a sudden I found all these articles and everything. And we were just completely amazed how 
you know, they've been trying to give her insulin and all this other stuff, and she's been trying to manage her diet. But all she did was add CBD, and suddenly it was like as if she didn't have diabetes anymore. Yeah, I, I could go hours in the morning without having a dizzy, you know, disconnect where people would talk to me and it would sound like they were in a tunnel if I didn't have my um, sugar in the morning. Uh, with the CBD, that all went away where I could get up in the morning, I could get dressed, I didn't have to worry about eating something and then getting in the car and having chocolate with me. I could just get up and go, go to work and not have that fuzzy disconnect feeling that I had prior to taking the CBD oil. Um, I work at a laboratory so I can have my blood work tested whenever I want it. So I chose to uh, do a fasting glucose and hemoglobin A1C. And both of them came back in normal range. Um, I was taking five drops of CBD every four hours. And that was maintaining my sugar. Um, I was still feeling, you know, tired and everything else from the thyroid and not sleeping properly. But at least the CBD was maintaining my glucose, which was really important to me because to feel like you're going to pass out while you're taking a three-hour drive to work, um, that wasn't safe, and I just didn't feel comfortable doing that. But with the CBD, that, that had all changed. That's quite remarkable, just taking the CBD and you essentially got rid of your diabetes. Yes, the diabetes um, is completely maintained and managed, and my sugar is normal, just as a normal person. I don't have episodes anymore where I could be talking to you, and then next thing, I'm passed out. Don't pass out on us. <laughs> we- <laughs> no. And that's a, that's a fact, I can tell you happened before I, I was we were in a room she was standing walking towards me and all of a sudden she just passed out wow uh, that was before the cbd before the cbd yep so what happened next yeah well i kept researching and i just knew it was out there i didn't know how to get it i contacted every person i could talking to people and then uh through the research we had come across rick simpson's website and so we started thinking about how to make it ourselves. And, so you're re- you're referring um, to think, um, you're referring to THC now, when you say it. Yes, I'm yeah. sorry. Okay. Yeah, the, the THC oil. Um, it's you know we're in Pennsylvania. It's it's not legal here, and um, so you know we just didn't know where to find it, how to find it, and um, I just kept digging, kept digging, and I think uh, we started listening to, to your podcast around that time. Um, I think we stumbled on it from one of the websites or a Facebook thing or something. And uh, so we started learning a whole lot more uh, about it. And then I kept hearing these stories from people. And I'm thinking, man, this, we've got to get a hold of this. So we were planning a trip to Colorado and everything we could think of. And then um, as, she, as she said in, in her notes here, she reached out to a, a very kind person and was uh, – uh, received and put us in contact with another person. And um, long story short, we were able to obtain the oil. But during that period of time, um, we wanted to get a second opinion. So I found a very nice endocrinologist who was willing to work with me, knowing that I didn't want to um, put all these things in me. And we went to see her 
And we were very honest with her, and we told her that I was taking the CBD oil. And she did blood work, and all my sugars came back in normal range. Um, but she, she was quite amazed. She knew nothing about the cannabis or CBD or anything like that. But at the time, we were, I was only taking the CBD oil. So she wanted to put me on Synthroid, which at the time, she didn't know I had stopped my Synthroid. And what was what was the reason for that? Was your count was your count pretty high, or or was this to do with the cancer? Or um, yeah, she wanted to put me on a higher dose of T um, for synthroid for my TSH because everything was still elevated. One day I just skipped a dose, and I'm like, I'll be fine. I'll just I'll do it tomorrow. And tomorrow came, and I didn't take it. A week later. I didn't take the Synthroid, and I felt so much better. Um, I didn't feel, you know, foggy in my head. I didn't feel like I couldn't concentrate. I didn't have any of the palpitations that these doctors had all told me and that I was at risk for heart attack. So then once we got the THC oil, uh, the first time I took it, I took it orally. I slept through the whole day. It was like the best sleep ever. Uh, I was able to get rest. Uh, I felt like a new person after taking it. And then after that, I started with a grain, um, a half a grain, like a rice size half a grain. And every four days, I increased it. Now, when I took it orally, um, it knocked me out. And I knew that I needed to function for work. So, so I discussed it with Kevin and I took it rectally after that so i was able to take it in the morning and then at night and so you wouldn't get high when you did it rectally correct correct yes um, so. i had no i had no effects from it except for an hour later i would get like uh like some sort of feeling like fogginess and like uh, um like a panicky feeling but um i took citicoline um, and I started taking that an hour prior to me, uh, doing the, um, THC rectally. And that took care of it. And that helped. <laughs> oh, that took care of it for sure. I started testing my blood every week and it, the numbers started coming down. I mean, it was at 220 and then it went down to 189 and then it went down to 169 um, and then it went down to 149. What's going, and my TSH. What's going through I'm your sorry? head when you, what's going through your head when you're seeing those numbers come down like that? I was super excited, but yet I, I was still in disbelief that it was even happening. Like we said, you know, we had heard so many of your stories and we're reading them online and such like that. And, and you're believing them and everything, but then all this, but there's still this unknown and you're, you just like, you can't believe that it's actually working, but here I am seeing it happen right before my eyes, and we're seeing the test results and everything. And uh, and we we got to the point where we couldn't wait to get back to the doctor because uh, we really wanted to see what their reaction was. And of course, you know we're taught in our society uh, the the doctors know best and everything and, and everything, and you kind of go by that. So it was almost like we wanted to get back to the doctor so we could get proof you know get yeah. a doctor say yeah your numbers are great and what's going on yeah it's almost like it's too good to be true it's like surreal when it first starts happening isn't it 
Yes, very much so. And I was sleeping through the night. I wasn't waking up anymore in the middle of the night a couple of times. I was, I was getting full rest. And sometimes I couldn't fall asleep until maybe about 1 o'clock because I was busy doing work or family stuff. And I would get up at between 5 and 6, and I would feel like I've had like a 12-hour rest, which mm-hmm. never happened before. Was your breathing getting better? Yes. And as I was taking the THC and the CBD oil to, you know, together throughout the day, I started to uh, cough up and, and throw up large, like, mucus balls almost, like thick mucus, which I always had this feeling like when I swallowed, I was swallowing over rocks in my throat. And I would have to constantly clear my throat because I constantly felt like there was something in there, which has decreased immensely. Now, tell us the story uh, of the day you went to the doctor and the doctor essentially declared that uh, you were normal. We went for an ultrasound. It was on a Friday and it was right before Mother's Day. And the technician was doing the ultrasound. Kevin was with me. The technician told us that she didn't see the three nodules. Um, in fact, uh, she only saw two. She couldn't find the third one. Uh, we were ecstatic. It wasn't until a couple weeks later when the doctor finally called me and told me that the ultrasound showed that there was only one nodule and it was the largest nodule that I had in there but it had decreased in size dramatically she didn't they did not see the other two nodules which were gone all my blood work came back in normal range and that I didn't have to see her again for another year and that she wasn't concerned with the cancer anymore when was this Ellie um that was the end of May end of May of this year yes Oh, you must have went out and partied that uh, that day. <laughs> no, she had to. You had to work um, the next day, didn't you? Yeah, I had work the next day. Um, it set into my head like, "Wow, the cancer is really gone. Like, it's not completely gone, but I'm feeling so much better. Um, my numbers are in normal range now, and I feel good health wise and mentally. And but yet." There's still that in my back of my head, like, um, it's still there. This is, this isn't real. I was in total disbelief. But you know, when you look at it, look at how far you've come. You were at the point where you have, you, the Synthroid was just wrecking your system. You had diabetes. Yep. Uh, you have these, the thyroid cancer and, uh, you no longer have diabetes. Uh, the three nodules are down to one. It was the largest one there, but it's decreasing. And you're well on the road to recovery. And the doctor doesn't want to see her for a year. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, it's certainly amazing. One thing is, you know, we're very fortunate. The doctor that she uh, has currently and everything, we were honest with her. And she said she didn't know anything about it and such like that. And, and that may be the case. It sounds like more like, you know, they're probably not allowed to say that. And, and that's understandable. And we even told her, you know, that we want to be honest with you. Uh, we don't want you to endanger your job in any way. Medically, it's supposed to be legal coming next year and everything. So 
certainly something has to change. But uh, but she was. We were very fortunate to have a, a doctor that was open minded enough to listen to us and at least be able to. We could tell them the truth and everything. Um, she has been very careful in what she did. She even had to ask her supervisor to make sure that she could continue to see Ellie. And fortunately, and when she did call her, she said, you know, I can still be your doctor. So that was that was really uh, re- or wonderful to still hear. But uh, I, we've heard a lot of your stories where doctors weren't that way. And so in that case, in that manner, we're very fortunate that, uh, to have come across a, a woman who is very caring and open, you know, regardless of the circumstance and obviously cares about her patient first, which is, I think is, as we've heard so many times, is rare you know they're more about pushing the drugs and and um even though that's what she was trying to do that's what she knows to do but maybe in some sense we've changed we've opened her mind a little bit <laughs> or her eyes as well yeah no. so ellie from the time you uh first started on cbd oil to the time of your appointment where the doctor says i don't even want to see you for a year um you know and the, the, the cancer's all but gone oh how, how long a period was that I was on the CBD oil in September of 2016. September, and the doctor told me that she didn't want to see me anymore um, because I was okay. And that was in May 2017. And how long were you on the THC oil? Um, I started the THC oil in February. End of February. End of February. And by May. Yeah, that's pretty quick. My nodules. Yeah, yeah. That, that's amazing. From September to end of May, that's nine months. It's gestation period. Gestation period for the <laughs> CBD, right. but, but right. the, yeah. the THC, she was only on from uh, February, from and that's, that's when the uh, no yeah. nodules started going down. Yeah, so. no, that's great. This is an amazing story. I love it. <laughs> yeah, Ellie, that's a fantastic story. Uh, do you folks want to say anything in conclusion to listeners? Be open-minded. As much as possible. In the beginning of all this, when I first met Kevin, I had never tried cannabis ever in my life. I, in fact, actually uh, found out that my second daughter in her senior year had tried cannabis. And I put her in a facility for 30 days. I was pretty much adamant against it. And that was just my uh, environment that I grew up in and and things of that nature. Um, people need to really look into this, uh, and this meaning cannabis. It's natural to your body. It's not harmful in, in any way. I was a one-day uh, glass of wine kind of person, and I'm now, I don't even drink alcohol. I prefer to drink tea or coffee or water. Um, I have no desire alcohol well ellie i think you can uh, you you can join the hypocrites club i'm president of the hypocrites club and uh there there are there are millions of us around the world and you can be part of it because i think you've you've done a 180 in your view of marijuana and cannabis and uh, so have i i mean i wasn't totally opposed to it uh i just it wasn't for me but uh you know what the more you hear about it and the more people can read and listen to stories like yours 
and other stories of people who have used it. And Corey's story is one that uh, is extremely inspiring because she was supposed to be dead five years ago. These stories are what make people think about the use of cannabis as a medicine as opposed to a recreational drug. And even though people say, uh, even if you use it recreationally, um, it's still a medicine. And that's true. That's very true. There is no harm to this. Yeah. No harm to this at all. Yep. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things I'd like to add here to was exactly what you said is, is that, you know, I used it recreational for a long time, uh, even though I couldn't do very much. But still, when my mindset even changed over to medicinal, it was totally different for me also. And as you say, getting the word out, you know, we've said to Corey before, too, is, is like, you know, anybody out there that wants to talk, uh, hear her story, direct, call, what have you, we're all very uh, open to, to uh, talking about it and helping them. Because I think when you get that personal touch, you know, or that personal personal communication, it just makes you feel so much more confident and secure with that. And and that goes, in, you know, with, with what you guys are doing is I think is so, so very important. And we especially are so yeah. grateful for what you're doing and, and i've seen some of the posts where some people uh, are not very kind and you know expect you to help them right away and, and we hope those people will step back and you know realize what they're doing and all and but uh, again just to really thank you guys how much you're doing for obviously for what ellie's done ha, gone through and then you know so many people it's, it's really amazing and we are so very grateful for what you're doing and we hope you uh, wake up in the morning and not worry about those people that aren't so kind and, and keep doing what you're doing. Oh, we appreciate well, the comments. Thank you. Thank you very much. And that's another edition of Cannabis Health Radio, wherever you are in the world. Thanks very much for listening. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Are you looking for the next great cannabis business to invest in? Then you need to check out the MJ Bulls podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Humston. Join me each week as I speak to both cannabis entrepreneurs who are raising capital and cannabis investors who are investing capital. Our 10-minute episodes are perfect for the busy investor. Start listening to the MJ Bulls podcast today, wherever you listen to podcasts, and who knows, maybe you'll discover the next cannabis unicorn.